Greetings ladies and mental gents and welcome to this patch video for there is no epic lucia, only puns taken from the website Royal Road. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Please don't forget to do all the usual YouTube stuff as that helps the video and the channel with the algorithm. Just a little addendum to the intro, letting you know that this Saturday at 9pm GMT, I will be doing a stream where I will be opening up some Magic the Gathering booster packs. This will be in preparation for the big Warhammer TCG box opening that will be happening sometime at the end of the month. I hope to see you all there. Chapter 130 Scoreboard Did, did you win, son? came the voice from Grim's father. Grim looked up from his assorted gains from the dungeon, his original cat doll which had proved worthy distraction against Wyam, the tree demon lady. The other was a novel that she simply was ridiculous. Define win. He turned on his chair. His room was like a fort around him, every item in a semi-chaotic mess that he knew exactly where things were. The pile in the corner was the empty sword sheath and his math homework for Mr. Jones. The paper on his desk had about ten different beginner speakeasy spells that he got from his adventurer weekly. And the bulging closet door had unfathomable nightmares that wouldn't ever be opened again. It was a shame. Grim had a nice pair of shoes in there that might still fit. The rest of his room had maps everywhere, forms of sword styles in different strikes, a massive star map on the ceiling and memorized for most famous stars. It was more of a war room than a bedroom, but Grim loved it. His dad took up the entire frame, not as a big Dio's dad, but Grim was beginning to worry he'd inherited his mother's more dainty frame, as he hadn't grown in height, and magically, muscles hadn't popped in overnight like that wisdom teeth. Grim's dad, mine, was not a man you wanted to arm wrestle. Grim watched his dad move his hand in his air, as if trying to snatch answers. You know, beat the boss, get the booty, all of that, the man said, trying not to stumble, and Grim hid his smile. His dad was a dork, and Grim knew he had a half-eaten spoon in his pocket, meaning that when it was time for dinner and Grandpa Pick was done cooking, he'd be a massive argument about who got to clean the dessert spoon. Arguments got weird when two of the four people in the house just ate things when they got pinkish. Well, pickish, he mumbled to himself, unable to hold back the words. He fought the bun, but he really did. Loot, Dad, not booty. I'm an adventurer, not a pirate. Grim reminded him as he slipped off the stool with his new book. His father turned puzzled, still smiling. Pirates live in water, I go underground, Grim said with no real heat. It was easy to be annoyed at his parents for their attempts to get into Grimm's career choice, but they truly were interested about him for the last few weeks. Ever since Mana literally hit town, everyone had become slightly easier to be around. They were doing interesting things, and watching his parents reveal sides of themselves that Grimm had never seen was interesting, like how his mum liked to paint, or his dad loved terrible jokes. Not quite puns, but awkward, lame jokes that made Grimm actually prefer puns. Right, loot. Well, I heard you beat up two different bosses in one run. My little noir is kicking butt and taking names. You gonna take your old man on a holiday when you're famous? The giant man asked, which made Grimm flush at the neck. Dad, I did one run and it was an easy mode. I'm not famous, he insisted, waving off the words as he headed to the kitchen area, where something delicious was stewing. Hmm, if you're the first proper party, I don't think that's true, his father muttered as they entered the giant kitchen, which had a pantry and would make any chef quail in terror. The Pictus family tastes ran a little off kilter than most. Like the bubbling copper ingots for Grimm's dad, as Grandpa picked cooked something that might have been a fanged kidney or a spiked tongue. Occasionally, when Grimm was feeling sad or sick, Grandpa Pick would boil some fresh dictionaries and an adventurer book tales for him like porridge. The weirdest was his mother. She... She... She ate broccoli, willingly. All the males in the household feared her. Dad, how famous do you become for clearing a dungeon for the first time and being the first? I was never into the dungeon thing, Grimm's dad asked as his own father. The first group to pass a dungeon gets recorded in the Star Ark, 
depending on how dangerous and rare the dungeon is, the more prominent the place. Grandpa Peck said easily, shaking some of the demonic druid Brussels sprouts into Grim's mother's bowl. Grim slowed in confusion. Starark? he echoed, first time hearing of it. We didn't really tell you, or really let any kid know, because it was the worst thing that you could tell a kid, the old man admitted, gruffly, but more in a sad remembrance than any real heat. Do the impossible and get your name on top of the massive pillar and be famous. There are too many broken families because of that thing, Grandpa Peck nodded to himself. Bowls were set down and Grim's puzzlement only grew as he tried to think about how that would work. So I need to write in and ask them to put my name in or something. Grim asked that after some time, his dad grinned. I'm sure they'll believe you in a letter, but nah, he said as he trailed off for a second. It knows. It's connected to all dungeons somehow. It's the biggest broadcaster of a new dungeon besides Fair Play. It's like two spiral pillars floating around each other. He explained and Grim was starstruck. Do you think the mic group got on? He asked excitedly as his father shot his grandpa a look. There was a long pause. Miles east of the royal capital, across the long strip of ocean near the mountain, which appeared to have been hollowed out by giant hands. Two pillars rotated around each other like hands of a clock, one white and almost immaterial, more like a mist and cloud than stone, the other dark rock with roots crackling on its surface. They didn't touch points, but in space between them, the swirling sphere spun eternal since the world, sky, and stars warmed. This sphere was a study of magical scholars and enchanters, as it was one of the true global-spanning enchantments capable of self-updating and growth. This sphere didn't look big until you needed it to be big. It wasn't detailed until you focused. It seemed unique to each person glancing at it, but it never truly changed in itself. This sphere was a massive catalogue. It was a work of art, with exceptions of black, ugly marks where records were expunged as dungeons became abominations or were destroyed. To use this sphere seemed free. It cast no mana, chi, chakra, soul, essence, psi, or any other known complicated term for one's natural energy. However, the sphere did take a little something... A little of the dark siege, just a little since it was never designed to truly be a solution. It was a good choice made by the brothers and sisters since people flocked to the Star Ark. A whole city outside a hollowed mountain had formed and the sphere was working overtime to take as much of the darkness as it could. There was between a handful of people to a whole arena's worth at a time assisting records, judging new trailblazers and getting excited when new dungeons appeared. A whole stock market of records and gambling on said records had become the city's economy. Gambling on heroes and adventurers. The top three dungeons were recorded larger than the rest and focused on them unearthed a dozen or so more submissions one could attempt to do. It was strange that the pillars were trying to make people spend as much time in the dungeon as possible, doing things that might not even be dangerous. Do 100 push-ups in a cleared boss room. Weird. But people did it for glory. New times and new ways for competing the challenges had become something of a lifestyle. The top three dungeons currently were on the arch were the beautiful death, the ruby dungeon of the desert, the golden underworld, the royal dungeon of the west, the black swarm, the temple dungeon of the pit jungles. These three weren't exactly close. The royal dungeon simply surpassed the other two by sheer time and visitors. Ruby and Swarm were neck and neck, but there were others nipping at their heels. The Twin Helps, the Blue Depths, the Dragon Dragon, and the Dragon Dungeon. One more. Everyone had their horse, so to speak. That was when, one one day, like any other, quite a normal day, the Star Arch changed. On the Earth Pillar had a mushroom growing around the base, with long veins of orange traveling its surface, and the Sky Pillar looked like a door was shining through it turning its white luminescence to a soft orange. The entire city huddled in terror, wondering if it was the death of the arch. Vespia now recorded a new top three. The Royal Dungeon, the Ruby Dungeon. The final one was simply listed as Delta. Despite the record saying it only had two floors, it was considered sweet until you mess up. This caused chaos. Absolute bedlam. 
The only comfort they got was a tiny wooden sign that looked to be stuck to the sphere itself. No one could remove the sign. It was simple enough to read, translating itself to all languages and all tongues. In immortal words of Lady Spears, Oops, I did it again. No. Just below this delta was the only known winners. Team Heroic Polly Pot and Friends successfully passed Easy Mode, Fun for All Ages, Grim Call Liquor Pictus. Dio Hero Good Boy Brando, Kemi Too Pure for Life Hamdell, Poppy Unleash the Beast Wrath, Aminster Spooky Skeleton Wallum, Vass Error Japes. They are the first to defeat the dungeon in this mode by the royal laws and agreed treaty of this world. All members of the party regain a title of Sir, Lady or Knight. 100 gold will be deposited into their accounts. Have a super duper day. They get 100. I only got 10. A man in silver armor yelled. You got 10. I barely got a silver and coppers. The woman screamed at the same time. A poor squire looked up, looking at them with bloodshot eyes. You guys get paid, he croaked. There was a pause in the Pictus kitchen. Who knows, son? Don't be too let down if you don't get on the board. You're still my hero. Mine, Pictus promised Grim as she ruffled the boy's hair. Grim grimaced and fought off the reaction like any good teenager. Nad, he whined. Still, he felt oddly good. He opened his book to the authors thanks to people. To awkward pro-tag teens and those considered unimportant to canon, I dedicate this to you, my friends, my best friends, also the giant mutant ant that can turn into a kaiju. Can't forget about her. What a strange book. Lou felt weird. As if annoyed or taunted hundreds of people, but he wasn't quite sure how or when. What was even stranger was the fact that it was dungeoneering. The ability to cause changes, edit the rules, and add to things. It felt like he was tampering with the fire of the gods, and he was immortal, but about to be caught at any time. Forbidden, but tempting. New had never meant to be. A sentient program turned person because of one girl cried too hard and was lonely. He was most likely the product of her delusions, deluded into thinking he wasn't a figment of her imagination. That was so, um, Delta burdening her hallucinations with feelings of guilt. He hovered over the mudroom, not sure how he should go about this. Adding spikes hidden under the mud was too, uh, rude, according to Delta. Mud snapper snakes, too rude. The mud was boiling enough to melt the flesh to the bone. Too rude. Nu was beginning to think that he should be rude and stop being so concerned about other people's opinions. Taking some quick panicked breaths, he opened his menu, a sort of like opening his own soul outside and hoping it was stable. Mushroom, obstacle, a room designed with floating platforms to cause any clumsy to fall into the mud below. The stable platforms switch positions for every new group. Thirty-five upgrade suggestions discarded due to their lethality. Who knew mud was so dangerous? New focused on the upgrade list. Mud becomes warm and relaxes the person if they fall in, making them move slower and more lethargic. 10 dp. The platforms spin slowly, causing dizziness. 5 dp. Change walls and platforms to be mosaic in style, depicting a three- Well, fun to come. 10 dp. Create treasure boxes in the four corners that slowly sink into the mud, tempting people to brave the mud for loot. The loot is drinks from the bar, food from the third floor free heel hall, and signed copies of Maestro's album, Shrewy Hearts, 15 dp. It was a basic room for what was so the upgrades weren't massive like the pond, the lake room. New fell to his pain in his soul as he purchased them all, spending value dp on things that didn't matter. How could he... Lou twitched and glitched in the air for a moment before his screen turned deep blue and white text rapidly restored itself back to the grumpy usual disposition. By then, the room had changed. The wooden platforms and the stone wall were now glossy mix of tiles that formed together to make images. One of each platform was a mess of words of orange and blue background. If you were challenging the dungeon and came to the room, the words would read out a message, Live, laugh. Loot. New felt this was beyond tacky, so he managed to slowly edit the room to read something slightly different by adding a few letters. Livestock, slaughter, and looters. 
To his surprise, the menu opened again with new upgrades. Change the message depending on how badly the dungeon wants the group to suffer. 2DP. New couldn't see the harm. He purchased it and the messages slowly changed through each stage. It was pretty clear to see which mode was which. Stage 1. Live. Laugh. Loot. Stage 2. Experience. Hum. Learn. Stage 3. Warned. Listen. Sweat. Stage 4. Livestock. Slaughter. Looters. Stage 5. Gonna. Have a. Bad time. There was a stage 6, but the words were perhaps a bit apocalyptical in nature, so New just kept it hidden for future purposes. New grinned wickedly at the poor fools that set that one off. He took one more peek at it, just to enjoy the imagery of the fate that they would incur. Stage 6. You made Delta cry. Feeling better? Vera asked gruffly as Delta lounged on a bar with a cocktail glass in her hand. Delta didn't conjure alcohol. She just liked the shape of the glass and her orange juice. Much. I guess I was just exhausted after helping Dio. Plus, uh, when was the last time I just relaxed? Delta said, stretching happily like a cat. Imagine working since the day you were born. Vera agreed sarcastically as she polished a glass with a rag. You're welcome to take a holiday. Delta mumbled around her OJ. Vera's brows, eyes opened and her nostrils bled. And leave who? In charge. Those idiots, Vera asked, pointing at a gaggle of goblins in the corner. Swa was tied to a pillar and Billy aimed knives with one eye closed. Swa was screaming around a gag with Num trying to diplomatically calm the argument. Nearby, a bundle of Billy's arrows looked burnt and spindly sticks. What about that girl you hired, Nina? Delta asked when Perish shrugged. We're a 24-hour joint. She needs at least four hours sleep or something. Vera said casually, as if she could perhaps push Nina into ignore that need. You sure she didn't say eight hours? Delta replied with an amused smile. Vera merely grinned back. Might have been six, she admitted. My services are available, Maitron Vera. Lord Mushy offered, and Vera eyed the gentleman mushroom sipping sweet sugary water from a cup. Ever poured a double jack special without exploding? She asked, and the Mushy turned to look at her. No. But I'm quite flame-resistant these days, he admitted. The things Delta heard in a dungeon could fill a book. She wondered how New was getting on. Mushroom Grove, material room with a room guardian called Bori. Mushrooms from all floors grow here without any DB cost, and fire magic is used here. It can get messy. Allow Bori to have two piglet minions, 10 DP. Explosions and fires now form a special boss of Bori. Now the fire main form will not perish or cause madness. Special nature spirits of Divina will guard Bori's mind against the element of fire and rage. 25 DP. Cause five golden mushrooms to grow, and if all five are found and fed to Bori, adventurers may have a chance at gaining one of the piglet minions as a bound pet. Requires piglet minion 15 DP. The mushroom grove now grows and develops mushroom starves naturally. Very rarely, an adventurer may take one at their leisure. These starves bring immense joy to those who are easily abused. Also, a semi-potent magical foci. 10 DP. Special stage. Special stage. Grow a stage of mushrooms in which Maestro can appear and sing to an audience. Listening to his song may grant any bumps going forward, and listening to Maestro on every floor can cause rare rewards to appear. 25 DP. New was beginning to think Mushroom Grove had peaked at lots of gut rot mushrooms, and was now trying to distract him with all these other upgrades that didn't actually improve the room's original function at all. He opened the room's secondary menu to see the types of mushrooms that were able to be made and found the issue. New groaned. Current mushroom breeding, gut holes, parent gut rot and black hole piggle. Current estimation time of completion for a cheap and stable breed, 118 years. New cancelled the production and looked at the combinations and sorted by priority. Gut rot plus black hole piggle equals unknown. Black hole piggle plus gut rot equals unknown. Black hole piggle plus starlight equals unknown. New stared at the screen, flickering glitches appearing on his face. He sorted by least important. Edible mushroom plus black hole piggle equals unknown. 
Lumen mushroom plus black hole pickle equals unknown. What is your obsession with pigs? New screeched and Bori looked up, a frown on his tusk face. Current company excluded, new amended with clenched teeth. He dragged the black hole piggle, and when he went to drop it into the discard, the little waste-pocket simple began to flee as if to thwart new. I will not have insubordination in my own existence. Get back here and delete this disaster pig. Me, he ordered. His words were jarring. Was some part of him deeply wishing that he could weaponize the black hole piggles? Sure. Did this mean it was wise? No. But, uh... Do howled the black hole pickle selection with a nervous glitch forming. Wisdom was not a dump stat. New looked at the edible mushroom and slotted it in with the pickle. Estimated time for completion, two hours. Begin. Delta could have baby pig minions. New would have booby-trapped black hole mushrooms that would suck people inside out. It was a natural balance. New breed being formed. Name, Tongue Twister. End of chapter. Chapter 131 Ghoulish Intentions You brought it on yourself, Zade said, having no sympathy for the woman at his side. He downed another mug of local brew, wincing at the kick. The woman huffed as she devoured the fourth plate of meat, still removing parasitic seed pods and cursed splinters from a thousand agonies on her arms. Sure, but did she have to fill my lungs with ants? I can still feel them in there. Her howl complained, hacking up one of the venomous breeds as she spoke. The tavern owner didn't look up, but they were still paying customers. You ate her family, Zane was unmoving by her plight. Her howl smiled at the memory. That I did. But to be fair, they weren't innocent tree folk. That tribe was dangerous, and at the rate that they were spreading, that forest was a dangerous or something. Pahal said, waving her hand to show that the details hadn't mattered enough for her to remember them. And you tried diplomacy first, right? Zane said, knowing look about his face. I got as far as, aren't you scrumptious looking? And the rest is sort of hazy, Pahal agreed. Zane shook his shaggy mane with a sigh. Look around, Pahal. This is where we would have ended up if we didn't bend the knee, tottering around like old timers. Not sure if this place is hell or paradise. So much trouble in one place, he grinned. Not so quiet now. You taste that manner, Bohal commented as she cleaned the meat bone of all substance before crunching the bone itself like a snack. I feel it on my skin. I'm more a touch base rather than a taster. Zane reminded before he shook his head with a nose wrinkled. Tasters are weird. How do you even sense manner through your tongue? He asked his companion. Bohal thought about it. You eat a lot of rich things when the tongue knows. Touch users are the most common anyway, Zane. Don't act so special. You got hit in the head with a spell or touched some old thing and peed yourself. Bohal said with a gleam in her eyes. Could be worse, Zane pointed out. Bohal nodded slowly. Could be center, she agreed. They both took a moment to think about the requirements it would take to activate a mana gland in one's nose and shuddered. True madmen, those kinds of were. Haldi inhaled his new cheese with delight. The new creation was a complete mixture of manticore milk and herbs being cooked one minute before afternoon. It didn't do anything, but the taste was good. The smell was eye-watering, as made Haldi curl his toes with joy. The village was going to be swarmed soon, and Haldi had to make sure that he'd fleece every single one of them for all their cash. The village needed a hut to be constructed, or was it a blacksmith? Haldi looked out the window and wished that Durin's village didn't jump between having as many buildings one day and that many the next. The town was almost alive due to the sheer amount of stories living in it, and it was a dramatic goal, changing outfits every so often. It became a pain to find a bakery or Mila's house, but now, with manner, exotic things were popping into existence. Benches dedicated to lich bats, statues of giant chickens destroying some reservoir food market. Once, an entire card shop appeared, devoid of any owners, and was gone the next, leaving only some playing cards behind. The nice boy Grimm kept on proclaiming them as to be messengers, but what a bloody red ace and a coffee-drinking joker spoke about, Haldi hadn't had the faintest clue. 
Really, some of the space was free real estate at times, only for your perfect villa to end up in the edge of the village with a pigeon for a week. Howdy, guess the village needed a, um, quest board? The word soured his mouth, but there was not for it. Adventurers with no oversight bred plot lines, and those things could infest your house for years. They just clattered one's home up with the impatient vibes of something must be done. The people of Durance didn't have time for those things anymore. Nobody had time for that. Delta found Nu attempting to scream some mushrooms out of existence. It was some yellow mushroom that looked like a strawberry in texture. She blinked once and examined it deeply. Tongue twister, a harmless mushroom that if devoured would cause one to speak in tongue twisters for some time. It seemed more like Nu wanting something else, but the mushroom honestly looked a lot of fun. She could already sense Vera making some new drinks from it. Other than that, Delta gasped when she saw too many boris trying to appear as threatening as they could with tiny stubby tusks and briskly manes. I can literally die. How strong and powerful you are, Delta cooed, causing the piglets to puff up with pride, swishing their tails. Release me. I am not only trained, I am doomed by your habits, New whispered, hanging his screen for some executioner to have at it. Delta looked up from where one of the piglets had fallen over and was stuck on its back, big rubberable belly exposed. I think you did great, Delta offered with a kind smile. New only sank deeper into despair at this. Ah, it was being like this again. Delta stood up and gave a sight of the piglets patrolling around the snoozing bori with an almost serious one last smile before she floated over to New. I know what you want and you want me to do it so that you can't be blamed, she offered, leaning on the mushroom cap with the air of someone who had an old hand at the game now. New only turned to look at her slightly. Delta nodded sagely. Come, my homicidal duckling, I, Delta, will do what I do best, she said in a formal tone and hummed as she floated off. Her destination was a quick check of both Bran's bathroom and Maestro's secret base. Bran was drinking a new cocktail Farrah had made as Bacon watched with interest. The bubbling, twisty knickers was bright red when poured. When Fran put his glass down, the usual tone of politeness and deep authority seemed to be slightly higher. Fuzzy Wuzzy was a pig, Fuzzy Wuzzy wore a wig, Fuzzy Wuzzy wasn't Fuzzy Wuzzy. He announced so fast that his tongue was a blur and Bacon looked alarmed, checking his shaggy self for missing patches. Vera eyed the drink critically. Needs more hot spring water, she announced. Delta shook her head, happy that the dull didn't just exist in her dungeon. Rand's mushroom didn't have any new options in his menu. Most of it was the slight environmental changes, but nothing she couldn't discuss with Fran later. It seemed either Sis or some part of Delta was uh, happy with Fran. He didn't need gimmicks or something else. He enjoyed his fights, what little he had, minions or some environment thing would just upset his honor. Maestro. Then shimmy those hips, Maestro instructed, and Quee did so, moving the spider butt and awkward movements as the dark gentleman watched from the throne. Very good. Now, when leaving the stage, one must always look like they've graced with the very bottom with joy and light. Maestro announced as he moved forward, leaning on his cane. We use spray method, Maestro instructed, putting one hand up and shaking it. Pretend you're shaking a bottle of Wayne de Pain. First you spray... Maestro shook his hand again, then wait for a second, he added, then strutted through the space with a stance that spoke of being a star. Then we walk away. Your back is a piece of art. Don't ever be afraid to enlighten haters with real art, Maestro announced as the enthusiastic watching Quee. Delta didn't interrupt, but just opened Maestro's menu for a quick check. Secret Maestro Room, a large cavern filled with stone pyramid on top of which Maestro performs his shows. To see one in person is to die for. Pyramid rotates with different sections going opposite ways, 10 dp. Random mushrooms drop from the ceiling, 25 dp. Starlight mushrooms create a weak laser show where that distracts foes, 10 dp. Maestro music causes mimetic earworms, infects people even when they leave, haunting them day in and day out until they eventually error. Redacted. Removed. Apologies. Maestro's album is now made of rare materials and is worth something. 15 DP. 
Delta raised a brow at the redacted option, but smiled as she purchased the options, watching as Maestro and Kui gave screams of delight as their stage came to life, swimming dizzyingly. Since Maestro slightly hovered, lifted by his head roots, he didn't spin, making the upgrade more unfair than the first glance. Now this is art, baby, Maestro pointed at the cane at Delta, showing that he had been aware that she was there the whole time. Impressive, not really changing the game since I've yet to see Maestro go all out, combat-wise. New was ever the sourpuss. Patience, ye of little faith, Delta insisted and sent both to the second floor. Any more upgrades in the first floor would scream favoritism. Delta didn't have favorites, except uh, for the piglets. Delta definitely liked them. Great changes were coming. Davina opened one eye, her deep trance within the fountains of frog spawn cleansing her. You sensed it too, Gramps asked, the chieftain amongst the wise to all ways. The trees rustled, the flowers sway, Bob Keens, Delta is coming. Davina announced with a great flair. There is much to do, Gramps said, sighing with a hint of assurance. Delta, the mother only brought good, chaotic good. But good, nonetheless. Better up to it, Inchi, the orange bird said, swooping down to land on Davina's head. Perhaps not all of Mother's creations were holy. Some were quite decidedly a curse upon existence. Delta stretched above the jungle with a tremble that traveled down her back. She sighed as something popped. She had no idea how something popped, but it felt great. Something about doing stretches above the jungle with the sunlight hitting the befuddled mists rising from the trees was just so therapeutic. She turned and floated off, new busy checking statistics and numbers, no doubt trying to predict the optimal amount of pygmies to perform a world-ending ritual or something. I was thinking that the jungle has a base, but unlike the first floor, I haven't really touched it up, Delta announced as they floated over Bob's waterfall pool. Not that I disagree, but should we not be focusing hard on the third floor as we have to potentially undying enemy battering at the doors? New screen turned to face her and Delta felt her attention split, half assessing the waterfall, the other half checking the spread of her manor down on the conquered hall. No enemies in sight and even the evil undead brat seemed to be licking her wounds at the moment. The third floor is... Um, as terrible as it sounds for the moment, unstable. If the enemy rushes in, all is lost. I need both my first and second floor to be the last lines of defenses. I've literally hit my monster limit on floor three already, with two trolls, four gargoyles, and a book golem, a demon blacksmith, a bomber kobold, and some additional pygmies that I managed to wrangle by accident. Delta continued and frowned. Thanks to Alpha, that's less pressure, but Alpha will need to see real sunlight eventually. Delta threw in. Concerned about being spread too thin, I get that, but waffling about with no progress isn't going to help anyone. The menu insisted again. New, I do have a plan. Delta chided and seemed to startle New, who was quiet for a moment, as Delta eyed the waterfall. I can't wait to see this. The waterfall looked to be as Delta left it. A large mountain spire with snaking waters hitting the rock pool below flowing over Bob's deep lair and down into the jungle proper to form the river. Besides the secret cave at the back that no one actually used, the waterfall was for all purposes decorative. Delta was going to mix that up if she found what she was looking for even better. Waterfall, a large watching figure that can be heard even in the darkest corners of the jungle. The bottom may look refreshing, but diving too deeply can be costly. Bobbing in this pool will reveal more than apples. Allow a rain system to allow flash flooding of the river as an obstacle. Will cause really more work. 15 DP. Reshape the top of the waterfall to be in the shape of a ball, where each socket will have a brazier to cause the eyes to glow and smoke. 10 DP. Allow the river to dry up and allow flooding on the third floor garden, once per day. If Bob's key is used to open Wyme's gate, then this feature is disabled. They weren't bad options, and the last one was especially tempting, since she could use it when her dungeon was free of adventurers, then it was basically a massive trap for any force that broke through the doors. 
The weird mix of good and bad news was neither her gargoyles or the undead would drown since this was made of stone and the other usually didn't have lungs. Still, Doubter imagined stone flesh would fare the best if smashed against walls or each other as a flood rushed down with a force that would be bone-crushing as it was. Besides, this is only step one. She purchased the decorations and the flooding trap, not really wanting to cause one soon season in a dungeon with the first upgrade. The top of the waterfall groaned and rocks slid out over each other loudly as the top reshaped itself into the form not too unlike bacon above. Two jutting curved spikes emerged from the glaring round top with two black holes to give the illusion of eyes. After a second, both eyes began to glow eerily as the light within burned. At the same time, a dark void between floors formed right under the full basin emptied, showing where the water would be drained away to the third floor. She shot off, regretting that she didn't have time to admire her handiwork. The jungle was hitting so many tick boxes of lost monkey treasure. Really, all she was missing was some dark and collecting gentleman with a crow cloak and a cane walking about, talking through the camera that wasn't there. Delta would get there. Rennie's circus was up next as she paused as the grand act of skeletons building themselves into giant bony pyramids revealed itself to her as she floated through the flaps of the tent. Rennie and his ringmaster uniform clapped his hands and the pyramid began to fall forward, bone shifting and turning from straight edges into spheres that began to roll over ramps. Rennie turned, his painted eyes seeming to lift up to her appearance. I know, it's been a while. Delta raised a hand as the bone ball collapsed into a pile with almost a comical clattering as skulls landed nearby, only for them to jab and argue with each other with who literally lost their footing. Rennie tilted his head and Delta could almost hear him like he was speaking aloud. Not quite, still issues, but I'm hoping you can help. Delta admitted as the skeleton crew was sent away to clean their ribs and polish their skulls. Only the sneakest of bone men were allowed in Rennie's circus after all. Rennie bowed and sat on a non-existent seat as if something was there, causing something to be there. Ringmaster or not, Rennie was a mime at heart, it seemed. Delta smiled as she mimicked him, sitting on the air. Rennie applauded without a sound, praising her poise. First, she used the system in a way that she didn't really often do, a sort of descriptive dictionary for things that came into her dungeon. It was mostly pointless because a sword was a sword and kids were pretty universal. Delta didn't need a baby dungeon book on what concepts were. It did, however, have a general information bank on anything Delta had personally encountered. She couldn't use it to learn about anyone that came into a dungeon or as a global search engine. It's a shame that since it would be nice knowing more about the kingdom and the world in general. Like if hot dogs were invented yet. Ghouls, a type of creature who feeds on the energy given off by death, natural enemies of phantoms and skeletons who are amongst the weakest of undead. They often prowl graveyards for these foes, earning a bad reputation, and the more idiotic often accuse ghouls of being undead as well. Delta smiled as Rennie tilted his head again. Rennie, um, I noticed your crew is a bit, uh, bare bones, Delta said abruptly. Rennie raised a finger at her wording and then silently dropped it in defeat. Let me see what I can do about that. Data announced and opened up a contract menu, her finger training down the list, her smile growing as she read. Rennie's cheerful inkblock eyes mimicked blinking as she inhaled with a sharp intake of breath. Data turned to him, opening her mouth to explain what was making her bounce in excitement. He leaned forward in anticipation. Doctor was not an idle gargoyle, between testing the volatile nature of troll soup and how the very stuff seemed to even make gut rot slow and grow nearby, and guarding the garden as there were few rooms left to conquer. Doctor did not believe in idleness too much to learn, too little to dissect or test unstable concoctions on. However, that was neither here nor there. His entire shit was put on hold as someone walked into the garden, a strange creature, but one of Delta's, if only by deal. A contract. Doctor only knew Jack as the other contract. They were truly interesting beings, a slow progression of free will beings losing their soul to Delta, piece by piece, until the entire thing was replaced by her manner. 
The process was fascinating and Delta didn't even seem to be aware that she was performing high-level soul magic on five different beings at the same time. Flawlessly, it was a little intimidating, if you were honest. The closest example he could use to put it into perspective for Vanguard was if Delta were replacing every gear in a tiny cog in a clock without ever opening it up, and so gently that the clock didn't even notice. Truly, if all dungeons could do this, if they went wrong, the amount of damage they could inflict with contracts would be terrible. What would have happened to the soul if the dungeon holding a contract went, uh, wrong? According to the books in the library, abominations broke the rules to a degree that would begin to turn sickly. Their monsters lose shape and structure. Their rooms begin to glitch into space renders that would twist a man into bloody mist at their contracts. Doc watched as the colorful ghoul walked into the secure room, eyeing it with his drawn-on eyes. It held a cane in one hand, which now had a large orange sphere on the pommel, slightly cut to look like a skull. The inner light cast shadows over the ghoul who leaned on it with a calm assurance of being who had not feared death. The ghoul was radiating energy that felt mini-boss-like, maybe more. The doors open and phantoms tried to shriek out. Some ambush left by the undead. They simply melted as the ghoul helped up with his new cane. Their souls tried to flee back into their leader, but the ghoul latched onto some and dragged them back like fish on hooks. It became a tug of war, a dark purple bond of the ghoul's energy. The clash caused the grass to wither and made the air become heavily tainted with death energy. Death energy felt like chocolate mint that was a bit stale. It was enough to give Dr. Stony skin goose pebbles. The ghoul won since it was Delta's territory, boosted by her manner, and the souls were yanked free and held like two fireflies around the staff. The ghoul released him, having no interest in eternally tormenting the hapless souls. There was a horrid wind that blew through the door as something powerful raged in the castle depths, angry at the ghoul for his actions. The ghoul merely inhaled as if the wind was delicious, and his thin smile cracked up along the sides to show his true mouth. A massive more of black gums and trading teeth. What's he smelling? Those are asked, and Doctor could almost sing at the idea of what the ghoul was going to be bringing back in large quantities. Patience, he cried, rushing off to see if he had enough makeshift beds and straps ready. Chapter 132 Free Range War Rennie, contract, a ghoul-turned-mimed-turned turned ringmaster. His resume is impressive. Rennie runs the second-floor circus. Upgrades available. Warning, the contract may resist or even reject changes if they disagree. Lesser command. His control over his crew is increased. 5 DP. Necrotic energy connoisseur, improving Rennie's ghoul nature to devour undead in large numbers and even tackle some undead that he could not previously win against. 10 DP. Necro Scrambler allows Rennie to become able to disassemble undead forces to feast upon their energy, removing the bindings to their necromantic masters. Stronger necromancers may retain control, however. 30 DP. The staff of showmen grants Rennie a magical focus to increase his style. Occasionally, it will explode undead he points at with the staff. 20 DP. Greater Ghoul evolved Rennie into the next branch of his monstrous family tree. Usually, this would drive the ghoul to become a dangerous killing machine, but this will not occur because Rennie is not a coward as ghouls often tend to be in the wild. 40 DP. Delta read over the upgrades that she had purchased in the log, scrolling through them idly with a finger. The enhancements were impressive, and it made her confidence soar as she gathered her forces together on the third-floor garden for her next operation. With the river trap in place, she felt more comfortable taking the rest of the dolls. Jeb and Nashley, the trolls, Van Doctor, Dozer and Dragon and Rennie. The librarian Gollum didn't fare well outside the library, so Delta left it there, using it as a last line of defense if anything did escape towards her core. Rennie was glowing with contentment as he fed off the idiotic spirit coming through the door. The undead princess seemed to have gotten the hint that, uh, for the first time, she was losing troops permanently. Delta guessed that when you were used to an undead army simply picking themselves back up, you got complacent. 
Delta would be already sorry, but one shouldn't pity the incredibly stupid and evil cultists. Instead, you should push them down the stairs repeatedly until they repent or are no longer a problem. Whichever came first. Delta didn't have the luxury to be that kind, nor did she have the naivety to presume that she could remain peaceful when the brat had done nothing but throw dead things at her. The nerve of some people, really... When Rennie was more equipped alongside some dashing gargoyles and enough troll mass to accidentally cause a small landslide if they fell over, Delta was ready to lay down the law. There was one thing missing that she wouldn't dare begin without. A second later, it appeared. Out of the kitchens, Jack came running over, his flasks filled with boiling troll soup. Delta blanched. That's chemical warfare, she accused, and Jack eyed the bottles with a dark look. In the darkest of times, we must use our darkest of weapons, he said, voiced low before it snapped back to its usual hiss of amusement. Jeb has shelves full of the stuff, he said, and Jeb looked proud, his grey skin pulling back to show a smile. Jeb makes spicy soup, garlic soup, pepper soup, he continued, with the incorrect number of stubby fingers, and Delta made a sign and note to add about five different protective layers to Jeb's store cupboard. If an adventurer went in there and knocked something over, it would scarve the naive adventurer or upset Jeb. Both would be quite terrible. Just throw it away from the dungeon, Delta finally said, and Jack beamed as if he wouldn't dare think of wasting his precious troll soup bombs. Now, I know that the third floor has been challenging, and many of you were denied a peaceful home to grow up in and develop like the other two floors. And... I'm sorry for that, Delta said in a monster shifted, but no one spoke. Our enemy is eternal, and her army follows her command with no self-thought, nor the ability to disagree with her orders. Peace and diplomacy were thrown to the floor before we could even say hello. If we didn't defend ourselves, we would have been dead and buried. Delta paced side to side, and she looked at the double doors with the glowing protective runes. But they made a mistake in thinking they were scared of them. Delta spun, eyes glowing and pointing in the direction of the undead side of the fortress. They made a grave error by mistaking our kindness for weakness. It's time to remind those who seem set on mocking our ideals and throwing our restraint back in our face exactly who they are dealing with. Delta's eyes looked up and her voice turned serious. Tonight, we make our enemies regret ever building their fortress in our way. We make them regret ever thinking that this dungeon was a pushover. Tonight, we'll take most, if not all, of the undead brat's toy kingdom and make it ours. Because if the princess is set on playing with dead things instead of bettering her people, then I'll simply have to show her the real home functions. Delta said, and she held her hand up to the sky. Tonight, all their home bases are belong to us, she cried. And the room shook as the monsters all roared in passionate agreement, blowing Delta's hair back. Her newly acquired spine of steel cracked at the sight of so many fanged moles. She chuckled nervously, quickly speaking up again. Let's remember always to have fun and keep up buddy system while we conquer the local undead plague army. She reminded them brightly. Her monsters grumbled as they held hands with their neighbors, which ended up with Nashley crushing Jack in one giant fist. Her first target was the silent menagerie. Delta grimaced. She really liked animals, which is going to make this more complicated than it needed to be. Alpha slowly sheathed his sword as he sat in the collapsed skull of some giant. The room beyond Delta's gardens was dreary, and Alpha couldn't see anything special about the silence fortress. You see one spooky subterranean castle. You've seen them all. Delta's place was interesting. Every room or space had something special about it. The skull began to rattle again under his body, so he pulsed with a high-grade holy aura. It went inert, most likely for only a few minutes. Alpha was truly grinding his divine skills today. It was generic since he didn't believe in any god, but due to his ability, no skill was technically off-limits to him. Still, occasionally he had to chant a spell which needed a god's name, so he tended to use the cereal brands from back home or other breakfast items. 
More than once in this battle, Alpha had called down the judgment of Toast or the bulwark of Choco Puffs. He looked through the door, wondering if he could keep going. He wasn't getting anything from this. Respawning mobs didn't grant EXP due to whatever was in their soul, giving them their powers, wasn't flowing into Alpha when he defeated them. The soul kept getting summoned back to the master of this place. Alpha could sense her. Them. The sewn together soul of two parts. Anguish. One part scheming. She would be worth something, but Alpha didn't have a quest or a reason to charge in. Delta hadn't mentioned that they were fighting, but Delta hadn't given him a quest either. Maybe he could do her a, um, a favor. Alpha would like to do favors for Delta. He sat there, racked by indecision. He had gone for so long without choosing for himself that the fact that he might need to, um, it terrified him. What did he want? He wanted Delta to be happy and safe. He wanted to be away from Perhal. He wanted to stop wanting to cry when no one was looking. He wanted to go home, wherever that was. But those were things that required Alpha to roll an initiative and take a single step forward. He imagined that Delta would do it if she had a physical form, and Alpha was stuck with an unseeable, intangible ghost, burying himself deeper away from people, hidden behind layers of silent monsters and deadly traps. Delta would draw her sword, smile in determination, and be a hero. Alpha had to do that. Well, Alpha had to attempt to even be a shadow of that. He stood and drew his sword, but he didn't get far before he saw that, without his notice, a ring of mushrooms had surrounded his skull, trying down the security with fibrous threads. You're a shy one, came an exhausted voice. Alpha turned, ready for battle, but didn't see anyone. Down here, the voice instructed and Alpha pointed his sword down until he saw what looked like a tiny firefly resting atop one of the mushrooms in the fiery ring. Yo! It waved its tiny energy arm, so small that it was almost impossible to see. Hello? Alpha managed to reply. Delta asked me if I still had my eyes out here. I'm named Hero, and until I'm back on my feet, I guess I'm going to be your guide. The firefly managed to lift itself slowly. There wasn't an insect, more a tiny orange moat of ghostly limbs. Alpha tried not to wince as Delta had sent someone with the name of Hero to aid him. I am Alpha. I am the first of the four, it would seem. Swordsman, skill gatherer, and task fulfiller. Do you have a quest from Delta? Alpha said evenly. Hey, listen... The glowing bug began. Relax. I know what it's like to be a big powerhouse, birthed with confusing emotions and a job to do, he promised, and Alpha didn't exactly see how, but he didn't question Hero. I was going to, Alpha began and hesitated. Go on, speak your mind, Hero encouraged. Take over the next room, Alpha gasped, making a choice which made his stomach bubble and a hot, sick acid waves. Hero landed in his hair, and his was like a tiny spot of sunlight on his scalp, warm but not burning. Good. How about you show me what skills you're working with? Perhaps do a few rolls and attacks, just so I feel confident that you have the basics down. Hero insisted, and Alpha stumbled slightly in his thoughts. That sounded exactly like a... Can you, you teach me a double jump? Alpha whispered, wondering if one of his many personal deep desires might come true. How can you double jump? Air doesn't become solid unless you use magic. Either jump in one big jump or just get a ladder, the hero chided. Alpha had many tricks to fake a double jump, but an actual double jump still eluded him. It had to exist somewhere, and he would find it. His stomach churned again, and he wheezed, noticing too late that he'd made another personal choice. Hi, vey. Maybe we should start with, um, how to walk, Hero mumbled. The place was less wildlife land and more bone graveyard. Whatever life had once lived here was maintained was long gone. In its place, shambling skeletal horrors moved about with little care or order. Being cut off from the main silence fort had caused their ambient command over the creatures to pray. The tragedy of their existence made Delta sad rather than triumphant. Some massive monkey thing had a misplaced tail, using a snake as a replacement. The animal pickered endlessly without reason. 
A bull hobbled out, one of its legs replaced with what had been a goat or a sheep. Wolves, once deadly, who had tangled their ribs together, perhaps over time they paying too close to each other or charging wildly, now just wind in the corner. Birds with no wings looked at this large ceiling with longing. Mice hung around the donkeys since most of them had suffered too much damage to make any distance under their own power. Fish flopped in long, dry tanks, their minds clinging to the wrongness of the circumstances. Predator cats discarded their mighty forms to escape their cages, now wandering spineless or a sad, limbless creatures. Lizard-looking things dawdle about, but most were either missing their heads or tail, making them an awkward thing. The lone sentient undead was the keeper, according to Jack. Somehow, despite being a skeleton, he had a mass of bones that made him come off as porky. A fat skeleton. Dalta disliked him from the moment he was sprung in front of Van, serving as Dalta's eyes since she hadn't conquered the room yet. Get off, off, you mangy beast, he clattered as he managed to sit on his rear, looking down at him all the spite being on the ground. What happened to the animals? Van asked, voice lined with a threat. The keeper didn't look bothered. In fact, he sounded right down smug as if nothing could be bothered to him. What? Those sad things. Depends on which one. Sometimes before we all rotted, we got hungry. A lemia, a tail there. He shrugged and tilted his head. Sometimes we got bored. Sometimes those uh, smart guys needed subjects. Sometimes the skeleton leaned forward, voice rising to a sinister glee. Delta didn't quite know how she did it, but her manner surged from the garden, ignoring the rules that she couldn't take the room since someone was inside. The keeper's cocky attitude faltered as orange light began to seep out of every crack in his skeleton. Um, what's this? Princess Marrow, help! It's too warm! The keeper attempted to smother the light, but it grew brighter. Then the keeper's dark seed within the essence erupted into orange fire. Then he exploded. Everyone was staring at Delta, hovering by the door, head hung low to hide her expression. She inhaled once, deeply. I like animals, she said through gritted teeth. She looked up, eyes watering, but managed to stop herself from being a total wreck after one room. Rennie, can you? She gestured at the area of watching the animals. They weren't quite self-aware, but their time beyond their natural lifespan had increased their intelligence. They were watching the scene intently. Rennie bowed extravagantly. His power as a ringmaster seeped out like colorful cherry lines and slowly began to connect each animal gently. Delta got a pop-up. Ringmaster Rennie would like to hire the animals of Silence Menagerie, spend 50 DP to increase the circus room to hold these unique animals. Delta yet yes and smiled. They've suffered enough. Let's give these animals a good home. But um, if any don't thrive, we'll uh, set their souls free. She promised Rennie, and a few animals seemed to shift as their forms began to vanish, breaking down and being rebuilt on the second floor. Delta knew that this was supposed to be bordering on contracts, but it was more like three steps below contracts. Delta couldn't empower them, nor would they be as well fed on her manor. Good thing that they were already dead. On top of that, they were limited to a single room as a unit. All around her, the room was becoming consumed by her manor. She watched it with pain and suffering caused here was removed. It was cleaning itself for the better future. Delta nodded, wiping her eyes to make sure that she could still see. First, this room. Next, every last inch of the fortress would be scrubbed clean. A notification appeared in front of her with an orange screen showing that it was from the system, not new. Silent menagerie absorbed. Dissolve room in exchange for one monster slot. Delta blinked. I can do that. She asked in shock. The system reports that clearing an excess space will cut down on third floor performance issues. Since the animals are now on the second floor, this area is entirely redundant over the need for more monsters to defend the core. The system, too, is learning to change the rules when the need arises. Well, how could Delta argue with her logic against her? I can get another gargoyle or something. She announced, and she suddenly gave a yelp as she and all of her monsters were hoisted out of the room, as if it attached to bungee cords. 
The door slammed shut before the stone ran down its surface like liquid, removing any traces that it had been there. Beyond the door, the room was yeeted into a void, if Delta's senses were correct. Total monster slots available, too. Please keep working hard. I'm proud of you, sis. Brother watched as a crumbling room was splashed down into the void below, disturbing his fish. He didn't blink in surprise. But as he slowly sifted from his off-brand soda, so interdimensional lawyers didn't sue for using named brands. What is she doing up there? he asked. His sacco cola was ringing empty. The room went deeper and deeper until it was only visible by the training orange sparkles. Brother leaned forward to see which side of the void it might hit. Down there was a demon world, the void void, the shadow void, and the occasional pocket void. Little bro was somewhere in the void void, but the room smashed through the demon world barriers and the manor within landed on the loud cheer before the hole sealed up. Wow, sister littered, I might die of shock if I wasn't already suffering a slow and gradual demise of self. Brother said, leaning back on his deck chair with a stretch, causing a slight earthquake in the southern part of the world. I guess my days of fishing quietly are coming to an end. I feel a little sad, but I'm also a little happy. Go figure, he said with a smile. Proud of you, Delta. Just stop corrupting my sister before she dyes her hair. The world is used to a yellow sun. Blue or green might be too much. He grinned and cast his rod again. End of chapter. And that, my friends, is the end of this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the channel. There are numerous links down below. The easiest way would be to share this video and this channel to as many people as possible to help this channel grow. Your support is very much appreciated. And I will see you all in the next video. Cheers.